Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. There's a beautiful tradition among the people of God, and that is when the Word of God is read that we stand together and give honor to God and to His Word. So if you would stand with me as we read the Word of God that's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm going to be reading in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. May God bless his word. I got a story for you. I got a story for you. I'm on my way to UTC, University Town Center in La Jolla, right? And I'm with a couple of my closest friends, and I'm on my way to David and Sons Jewelers. And um, about to make the most important purchase of my life. I walk in there. I'm feeling pretty confident. I've got in my pocket what I need. And I'm looking at these diamonds and these rings, and I'm like, oh, okay, these are a little, I should have done my homework a little better. And I find this ring, though, I think this is it. Now, it had the clarity and the purity and all that good stuff, but it also, more importantly, had the price point that I needed. So I'm like, I'll take that one right there. It was already just this perfect ring. And they get it, they put it on the counter, and, you know, forgive me, but I was a young dude, just not thinking straight. And the guy goes, okay, now with taxes, it's going to be... I'm like, you don't understand taxes. Oh, no. I reach into my pocket and I pull out this wad. And I just put all of my money that I own, period, on that counter. And on that counter is cash, tangled, rolled, folded, and I'm not ashamed to admit, coins. There they are. It's all over the counter. My two friends are like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? And... Uh, I tell this guy, I gave this guy my sob story. I'm like, look, man, this is literally everything I got. If I were to take everything else I own and sell it, I'd only be adding a couple dollars to this pile. <laughs> Would you please have mercy on a young, foolish guy and help him do something special for the woman of his dreams? And he said, he walks into the back room, you know, and he's like, has a conversation with somebody, and they come out and they're like, all right, it's yours. No taxes, tax-free. Come on. Isn't that a great... Isn't that, what a, it's good to know that there's, there's good moments out there. Go online. You'll hear about Shaquille O'Neal uh, buying an engagement ring for somebody. Go online. It's a cool story. But the point of the story is this. I was literally, in this moment, giving up everything I had for this ring. And that's what this parable is about, isn't it? Isn't that what this parable is about? Here's the thing. The point of this parable is not, oh my gosh, look at what these people were willing to do. They went and sold everything. That is not what the parables are about. The point of the parable is why they were willing to do what they did. The focus is not on what they were willing to sell. It is on the worth of the treasure and the pearl that they discovered. 
And in a way, um, this message of these parables is like that hidden treasure. And it's hidden for us. And there's profound meaning for us today. And these parables want to speak to us about our life, about what it means for us to sell everything to get what we could never, ever afford or earn on our own. And that's what Jesus wants to speak to us about. And he wants to speak to you today and ask you some questions about what it really means to know God. What does it mean to sell all you have to get that treasure? What is Jesus saying to us? So like I told you, this parable is going to hopefully cause you to lean in this morning and I think reflect on what it means to sell everything to have what God is offering you this morning. And we're going to do that by diving into three aspects of this parable that have a shared element. So both of these parables share three things. Number one, in both parables, everybody finds something. In both parables, everybody has to sell everything. And in both parables, there is a possessing of, of what they find, all right? Sell, finding, selling, possessing. And what does that have to say to us about knowing God? Here we go. Let's start with the finding. Now, in both parables, something of incalculable, immeasurable worth is found. And the emphasis is on the great value of what is found, and everything else flows from what they find. Now, in one, it's the treasure. In another, it's the pearl. And if you go online, I did a little bit of research. You can find amazing stories of pearls worth incredible value. There's a five-ton pearl, believe it or not, world's largest pearl. You can go online and find, I think it's called uh, the Pearl of Lao Tzu. I think that's how you pronounce it. And it is a $3.5 million pearl with an amazing history behind it. But there are pearls out there that are worth more than you could imagine, all right? So that's the point of the parable, that they find something of such incredible worth, they're willing, number one, they're overwhelmed by a joy that causes them to do something that to others would look irresponsible and crazy and irrational, okay? Secondly, they're willing to sell everything to get it, okay? So what is Jesus saying to us about this. What, what is he saying about finding this treasure, right? What is hidden for you today that is waiting to be found and ready to just gobsmack you with inexpressible joy? What is God waiting for you to find? I want you to reflect on that. Ask yourself, do you know God like this? Listen to this, John 17, 25. What does the treasure represent in the parable? Here we go. John 17, 25. Righteous Father, Jesus says, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. Why? Because for everyone in the world, God is like hidden from us. And we don't really know God as he is. And so when Jesus comes, he came to make the Father known, like a hidden treasure, like a pearl, beyond value, just to reveal him to us. Listen to this. And will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. So here it is. Finding the treasure represents 
discovering God and experiencing his radical, gracious love for you. It's knowing that God is real. It's finding out that God is real. This is fundamentally what Jesus is saying we're on earth to do. In life, we are all searching for something, right? I'm watching the Olympics for these athletes. You can see, man, they have been searching for that gold medal for that place on the podium for years and the sacrifice that they have made to get there. What are you searching for? For some of us, we are searching for the love of our life. We're searching for a home. We're searching for that position in our careers. We're searching for a family. We're searching for what? What are you searching for? Fundamentally, everything that you and I are looking for is fundamentally about our search for God. Because whatever good you find on this planet, it is just a crumb from the table of his glorious goodness. And Jesus is saying is you and I all alike are on a search to discover God. And discovering God is the greatest discovery you can and will ever have. And not only when you discover God, do you get God, but what do you get when you get God? Jesus doesn't say, look at right here. He doesn't say, I want to make you known in order that everybody can know what a miserable, wretched sinner they are. So they can all know how lame their life really is. No. Now we'll talk about sin because sin's important for us to understand. But listen to what he says here. To make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. That is the treasure. Do you know God like that? Have you experienced, I don't mean heard about, taught about, read about. I mean, have you experienced his love in such a way that it's made you say to yourself, there is nothing in this life I wouldn't trade to have that love because this side of heaven, there's a lot of things we get caught searching for. That be, this takes us on one long distraction. You were made to know God's love. And what Jesus is saying is when you encounter that love, it changes your orientation to everything else in your life. So that like Paul, you say, what was of gain to me, I now consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Now, Jesus came to make God's love known through his message and his spirit. So let's talk about his message real quick. Jesus' message about God is this. It comes from one of his closest disciples, John, in his first letter. And he says this, this is what real love is. It is not just a heated night of passion with somebody. This is real love. It is not our love for God. It is God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. What does this mean to you? This is his message. And I want to unpack it because it explains the nature of God's love. Number one, Jesus had to die on the cross. Why did Jesus, if someone were to ask you and you walk out of here today, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? What is with Christians walking around with an electric chair around their neck? What is the deal with Christians and this cross thing? Right? Capital punishment. Why do they do that? How would you explain that to somebody? 
How would you explain Jesus' death? Listen, Jesus had to die on the cross, number one, to free us from sin. What Jesus came to reveal to us is the reason why it is so hard for us to know God is real and to experience his love is not because he's not real, not because he's not that great, it's because of sin. Sin paralyzes us and stands as a barrier between us and knowing God. Sin is a spiritual reality that manifests in our life emotionally, it manifests in our life relationally, and it manifests in our life physically. I'll give you an example. Sin, though it's spiritual, will show up in your life relationally when someone who should be looking out for you, protecting you, takes advantage of you and abuses you. That's sin. And that kind of experience can put a barrier between us and God. Is God really that loving? How can God be that loving and allow that to happen to me? And our view of God gets blurred by the sins that we commit and the sins that are committed against us. And in that way, sin has power to stand and be a barrier between you and God and to know his love for you. The great astrophysicist Tyson DeGrasse, right? This guy's amazing. He's a brainiac. I love to read his stuff. And he was asked, what do you think about God, Tyson? Come on, you're so smart. You got to tell us about God. And he's being interviewed and he said, and he's basically debunking the existence of God because if there's a God, how can there, why would there be all of this calamity and hurt and evil and injustice and natural disasters? How can there be a loving God when our world is so broken and there's so much sin? In this way, sin has power over us to keep us from knowing God is real. Listen to this. When Jesus died on the cross, he literally broke the power of sin to stand between you and God. Sin is also where we try to substitute the joy of God's love with anything and everything else. But just other things, like, ah, forget God. This, this right here is all I need. And in this way, Jesus came to free us, to forgive us, and to open us to the love of God. It wasn't to insult us or to diminish us, to free us. Now listen to this. That's his message. Let's talk about his spirit. It says this in Romans chapter 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you experience God's forgiveness, when you put your trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. This is a spiritual transaction between you and God, and he comes to live with you. Like two people, when they get married, they begin to live together. And when he comes to live inside of you, what he gives you is the firsthand personal experience and knowledge of God's love for you. It's not just something you've heard about. It's something that you are experiencing firsthand. Do you know God's love like that? I think some of us here today maybe have never opened our life to be cleansed of our sin and to be filled with the Spirit. Others of us have known that love but somewhere along the way of our life, we've gotten distracted pursuing our joy in things other than God. Let me just say this. Those things are gifts from God. 
but they can never take his place. As good as that ring is that I gave my wife, it could never really substitute for me and my love for her. It just represents something. Do you know God's love in a way that just makes you want to say, nothing in my life, there's nothing in my life I wouldn't trade to know that love more deeply. That's what Jesus is talking about. And this is the gospel, and this is about the grace of God. A love that isn't earned by what we do, but a love that has such an impact on us when you experience it, it makes you do the craziest things. It makes you obey God. It makes you want to obey him in every area of your life. We're going to talk about that. But listen to this first. Love is what changes us and makes us want to obey God, to sell everything. Look at this quote. Genuinely, but genuinely encountering love is not the same as inviting Jesus into your heart, joining or attending a church, or doing what Jesus commands. Now, those things may open you to experience his love. It may be where you come in touch with his love, but they're not exactly the same. Any more than a wedding is making my wife love me. It is where we put it on display. Now, listen to this. It is the experience of love that is transformational. You simply cannot bask in divine love and not be affected. Do you know God's love like this? Maybe you've heard about it. You've been hearing preachers talk about it since you were a kid. But I'm asking you this morning, do you know that love personally, firsthand? The kind of love that comes from God that makes you go, God, there's no area in my life I don't want to obey you in. I don't want to trust you in because I want your love to touch every area of my life. I'm going to talk about the selling in a second, but let me just wrap it up with this key idea. Basking in God's love changes us. It makes us want to pay any price to know God. Just like I was willing to sell everything I had. Not because someone had a gun to my head. Hey, you better do this right now for this woman, but because I was so in love. When was the last time you basked in God's love? All right. What if Christianity is not first and foremost about all the things that you do for God? That comes later, but it's about basking in God's love. When was the last time you basked in love? All right? If you don't know how to do this, you're not sure what that looks like, I want to give you an invitation. You ready for this? Something practical. Tomorrow, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. all day, you can show up at any time tomorrow in the chapel. Where? In the chapel, starting at 7 a.m., there's going to be a worship room opened up in the chapel, and you can go at any time and just go in there and bask in God's love. I'm going to be there at 7 a.m., and I want to invite all of you to join me. And I want you to learn how to bask in his love. It is just coming in there and meditating on God and opening yourself to God. You're not trying to get anything out of God. You're not there to be in a hurry. You're there just to open your heart to God. They were, happened to be doing it on Saturday, yesterday. And I'm like, I should go to this. And I was busy. I had soccer games to go to and all that with my kids. And I said, okay, I'll go. And I show up. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be here for like an hour. And then I got to go. I'm thinking, I don't want to be trapped here longer than I need to be. Right? Ever get like that with God? You know, all right, I got an excuse. I got somewhere to be. Two and a half hours later, I didn't want to leave. I was just weeping. 
basking in his love. Sometimes sitting with God for 15 minutes is just not enough. You got to bask. Tomorrow, 7 a.m., be there. All day till 7 p.m., you can be there. I won't be there all day, but you could show up anytime. Let's talk about the sowing. In both parables, the person doesn't just find something valuable and immediately have it. They don't just go, oh, here's a treasure. Boom, it's mine. I'm out of here. They have to sow everything to get it. What is Jesus saying to you about God, knowing God and his love? What does that mean that you can't just find his love and have it? What does it mean that God's love isn't free? What if I told you right now, God's love is not free. In fact, true love always costs us something. Think about that for a minute while we dive into this. Both of the people must sell everything they have to possess what they find. What is Jesus showing us about meeting God? Okay, listen to this. Selling everything, number one, it represents our response to God's gracious love. Not what causes God's love. It represents how someone responds when they encounter God's love. What does it look like when someone has met God's love and has met God personally? They just want to go sell everything and get all they can of God. That's what it looks like. Like a crazy person selling all they got to buy a field. That's what it looks like. Okay? Selling everything is about what I call the great exchange. Right? Say this with me. Great exchange. Here it is. Listen to this. The great exchange is this. He exchanges his goodness for your sin. How's that deal? His life in exchange for your death. His will in exchange for your will. Your 88 Ford Escort with graffiti and a broken window for his 98 sparkling red Honda Accord. When I got married, Everything is exchanged. This is a great deal. When I got married, I brought to the marriage my 88 Ford Escort. It had graffiti on it, a door kicked in, and a broken window. That's what I brought to the marriage. My wife brought a shiny 98, perfect condition, uh, 98 Honda Accord. And that was the beauty of marriage. Here, babe, here's what you get, and this is what I got. She got my college debt. I got her debt-free account with a savings. Boom. What a deal that was. But that ring didn't earn me that. No. It was the result. Listen. When you sell everything, it is the way that you exchange with God. You're giving him every part of your life for his life. You are giving him every area of your life and it's going to cost you everything because his love has got to change everything. The reason why his love costs everything is because it's got to change everything about you because you are being prepared to stand before God for eternity. That's what this is all about. You are being prepared to meet with God because one day you're going to die. One thing that is certain about every one of us human beings is we are all going to die and stand before God, even celebrities. 
I was just watching this documentary about a celebrity who got throat cancer. I was like, what? Celebrities can get cancer? Celebrities can die? You ever feel like that sometimes? You're like, what? Did that guy really die? No way. But he had that yacht, man. He had those movies. No way. Because we forget that every human being, no matter how wealthy, famous, smart, is going to die. And we are being prepared to meet God. And this exchange has got to cost you everything because God's love has got to change everything about you. And wherever he's saying, give me your life, is where his love is going to change you. Love always costs something. God's love isn't free. It costs us our life. But it's unearned and it's never deserved. Are you okay with that? What does that mean for you? In selling everything, fundamentally, Jesus is saying, are you willing to sell and exchange your will for mine in every area of your life? To forgive when your will wants to hold bitterness. To give generously when your will wants to hold on to a little bit more security with your income. To be gracious and generous and kind when your will wants to protect itself. This is the great exchange. Your will for his. Come on now. You ready for that? Where are you feeling the cost of God's gracious love in your life? His love isn't free, but it's unearned, and you could never deserve it because he loves you because you're his son and daughter. But when you pay that cost and sell off everything, you're making room for that love to fill you. Let me give you an illustration, and we'll move on real quick. Imagine I'm at the wedding altar with my soon-to-be wife, and we're sitting there, and I say to her, you know, sickness and in health, or better for, you know, or worse, for richer, for poor. You go, oh, hold on a second. I want to be married. It's all good. However, I want you, and you got me, but I want to keep dating other people. So is that cool with you? Can you imagine that kind of wedding ceremony? We're giving our lives to each other, but I want to hold the right to date other people. It's almost hard to even imagine because it's just ridiculous. Does this, when you get married, when you stop dating other people, does that earn that person's love or does it make room for that love? Let me ask you, what's the answer to that one? When you make that kind of commitment to somebody, does it earn their love or is it making room for that love? That's how it is with God. Come on now. And when, then we go to the possessing. So if there's the finding, there's the selling, then there's the possessing. Check this out. If the selling is the response to God's gracious love, the possessing is the reward of God's love. Now, this is what it represents, to possess. It represents allowing the love of God to fill us to the full measure. It is, if it's joy that energizes us to sell everything, it's selling everything that enables us to take hold of what God has for us. And taking hold means allowing the love of God to fill your life to the fullest measure. Here we go. Number one, it represents salvation. 
When you come to know Christ, he says you have to be willing to lose your life to gain your life. When you accept Christ as your Lord, you are saying, Jesus, your will over my life from now on. In every area of my life, my sexuality, my identity, my dating, my finances, my future, my past, my present, every area, his will over our life. Every part of it. But remember, when you make that exchange, you're going to get more than you could have ever earned for yourself. This is the possessing. It's salvation. It's eternal life. It's receiving the Holy Spirit and becoming a son and daughter of God. Maybe some of you here this morning have never made that exchange with God. You've been hearing about it, but maybe this morning, it's your morning to do it. Secondly, this possessing of the treasure, it represents becoming a disciple of Jesus so that more and more as you trust Jesus and you obey him, you're becoming more like him. Listen to this scripture, Ephesians 3:17. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Right? So right now, who is he talking to? Christians. He's talking to people who are rooted, who are established in love. He's like, yeah, you guys, you know God, you go to church, you read your Bible, you, you know Jesus, you got that love, good. Now I'm really praying for you to get power. What for? Listen to this. Together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of of all the fullness of God. What is, what is Paul talking about here? I want to invite the band to come out, and as the band comes out, I want to just ask you, for many of us as Christians, along the way, our life with Jesus is no longer motivated from that joy of knowing his love firsthand. We start to focus our life in Christ about doing what we are supposed to do. Why? Because we want other people to respect us, to admire us, because it's the right thing to do. It's what our parents want from us. Because, hey, maybe we'll get a Christian husband or wife out of it. Maybe, you know, we'll make some friends. We start to do it for not necessarily bad reasons, but we lose sight of the main reason. We start do, living out our life with Christ, losing touch with the energizing power of that joy that comes from knowing his love for us. And pretty soon we, we tell ourselves, well, that's emotionalism. I don't really need to know his love personally. It's enough that I hear about it and I just be a good person. That's not the Christian life. And so Paul is praying that you would have power to know God's love to the fullest measure of God. Do you know his love like that? Are you on that path? Somewhere, somewhere we get distracted. We start trying to find our joy in other things and we lose touch with that. Maybe this morning, for some of us, it's about reconnecting with that love for us. For some of us, for the first time, maybe for others of us, we need to return to our first love. And remember, that joy is what it's about. And it will make you act like the craziest person 
the world has ever seen. As we go into this song, reflect, what is God saying to you this morning? overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice I'll hold on to what is true though I cannot see if the storms of life they come and the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will Continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. This is the gospel. This is the good news that Jesus, through his death on the cross, he removed every barrier that can stand between you and knowing the love of God in a personal, experiential, ongoing, lifelong eternity of love this is the gospel this is the good news Jesus didn't come first and foremost to show you how messed up you are how wrong you've got it all yeah he needs to point out our sin but it's just to get to the good part the point of the parable is when you encounter God and his good news and his love it fills and energizes your life with a joy that causes you to make choices and do things that others will think you are irrational, irresponsible, and out of your mind. You don't go out and do crazy, stupid things to prove to everybody you're a Christian, to prove to yourself. You do it because the joy of God has taken over your life. And if us gathering together is about, it's about weekly, every week, reconnecting ourselves with that love, reuniting ourselves where we have gotten disconnected and lost 
touch with that love that is the energizing force behind everything in our life. And so the message is not go out and be a better person. The message is open your heart to the greatest one who will change you with his love. Maybe right now you have never encountered that love in your life. You've never heard the gospel. You didn't know that if you give God your sin, he's going to give you his forgiveness and his life. If you give him your death, which is inevitable, he's going to give you his eternal life. Did you know that? Right now, if you give him your plans, your dreams, he's going to give you his. And they are so much bigger and better than whatever you think in your magnificent mind have come up with. He's going to knock your socks off but you've got to make the exchange. And if you've never done that right now, I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to accept Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, his forgiveness for you, and accept his eternal life for your life. And if that's you right now, I want to invite you, wherever you're sitting, just to raise your hand. Put your hand in the air right now. It's just a sign. It's a way of acknowledging, I need God. I see you. And as you acknowledge your need, I see you, your need for God, It says in the Bible, if you acknowledge me before others, I will acknowledge you before my Father and all his angels. Isn't that amazing? I see you. You're surrendering your fear and worry what others think of you when you raise your hand. I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. I see you, bro. Saying, I want to live my life energized by what God thinks of me. I see you, man. And he loves you. Come on. I see you in the back. I see you. I see you, my man. I see you right there, bro. I see you. All right. If you raise your hand and you're sitting, stand up for, with us for a minute. Just stand. Take a stand. Come on. Stand with us for a minute as a physical act of giving yourself to God. Jesus said, you have to lose your life to gain it. As you give your life to Jesus, you're going to get his life. And he, let me give you a little... Little, little uh, spoiler alert he rose from the dead and he is living forever and you are going to join him forever that's what he's got for you let's pray pray with me Lord repeat these words after me if you raise your hand Jesus I give you my death for your life I give you my sin for your forgiveness I give you my will for your will. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Father's love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Now, let's, yes, come on. That's so good. Oh, man, that's what we're here to do. Okay, listen, guys, there's a text. We, we don't want you just to have a moment. Before we go, listen, this is very important. We don't want this just to be an emotional moment. This is the beginning of eternity for you. Text this number. It will help us help you. Let this moment grow deep roots. Secondly, we have a protein coming up, protein. It's going to come up here. If, for what, anything going on in your life, you need prayer. This protein is going to be ready to pray with you. We got a protein? Yeah, we got a protein. They're coming up, right? Right? We got a protein here? Yeah, here they come. Here comes Kelly. Kelly's coming. Yeah, watch out. Come up, get prayer. Orville. Yep, Orville. Thank you, Orville. 
And then lastly, tomorrow at 7 a.m., if you need to bask in God's love, to reconnect with that joy, I will be looking for you tomorrow at 7 a.m. in the chapel. But if you can't be there at 7, don't worry. All day till 7 p.m., you can show up and go worship and bask in his love. God bless you. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.